The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. And I'm Ada Shen in Paris. First, our weekly review of business stories from Caixin. China is strengthening oversight of preschools with measures including a requirement for more cameras in classrooms following several highly publicized child abuse scandals in recent months. But experts warn the move could deepen distrust between schools and parents and drive many small preschools out of business, exacerbating the current shortage of such facilities. Preschools in Beijing have been ordered to leave no corners without surveillance, and and some preschools in the city center have already connected their surveillance cameras to local police stations as part of the new requirements. China, where the solution is always more surveillance cameras. China will roll out a list next year outlining which areas are off-limits for investment by both foreign and domestic capital, a move that's intended to clarify market access and reduce barriers for investors. The so-called negative list is a well-recognized method for foreign capital management in China as it defines areas in which it is forbidden to invest and leaves sectors outside its scope open to participation. But this is the first time domestic firms will be included alongside foreign companies. Sources say Santa is also in the process of compiling a negative list. Poor planning and soaring natural gas prices have left thousands in northern China without heat this winter as authorities rush to meet targets laid out in a clean air campaign. Caixin found that half of the households in the village in Zhuozhou, Hebei, were without heating for weeks as temperatures dipped to 6 degrees Celsius, 21 degrees Fahrenheit last month. Local authorities had ordered farmers to dismantle their coal-fired furnaces even before the gas pipelines had been laid. The village is among hundreds that have fallen through the cracks as authorities scramble to meet their 2017 clean air targets. China unveiled its ambitious plan to help 3 million households in northern cities move away from burning low-quality coal back in 2013, but local governments have dragged their feet in installing gas pipelines and other infrastructure. China Mobile is launching mobile services in the United Kingdom using a local partners network. This makes it the latest in a growing list of Chinese service providers trying to go global by targeting travelers from their home market. 
The service will target Chinese people living, working, and studying in the country, as well as the broader Chinese community in Europe. Beijing's party chief seems to have gone into damage control mode, meeting with groups of migrant workers last week to stem the fallout from mass evictions ordered by the government. Tsai Qi, the local party secretary and de facto head of the Beijing Municipal Authority, first visited a dispatch center in Chaoyang District owned by SF Express, one of China's largest courier companies. Most of the delivery workers employed in China's big cities are out-of-towners. Does everybody have a place to stay? Tsai asked the workers. What about your income? He urged employers to hold themselves more accountable for workers' well-being, including offering decent food, accommodation, and skills training. The rhetoric represented a stark about-turn in official behavior toward the city's migrant population, who have been the target of hostile evictions which saw thousands forced out of their homes in sub-zero temperatures after a few hours or days of notice. Yet another bike-sharing startup is drawing criticism for failing to return user deposits. Beijing-based Kuqi, a second-tier player in the fast-growing sector, has been the target of more than 2,000 complaints to China's Consumer Protection Association over the last month. Kuqi's problems are the latest to hit China's increasingly consolidated bike-sharing industry, after a two-year frenzy in which several players have gone under. Kuqi, in Chinese, means cool ride. We're not sure about cool, but they certainly appear to have taken their users for a ride. Thanks, Ada. Let's turn now to Doug Young, managing editor of Tyson Global, for his take on what some have seen as a return of a Silicon Valley tech giant to China. Doug, Google has announced a new AI lab in Beijing. Does this mean Google is actually coming back? So give us give us a little context here. I, I like to think of this story as the story that I liken to watching grass grow. Uh, it's been the story of Google trying to sort of eat crow and and come back to China after angrily storming out in a huff of rage uh, six years ago. Some people might remember that story. Uh, Google decided they finally had enough with uh, China's censorship requirements, and they put an ultimatum to Beijing and said, don't force us to self-censor, we're going to leave. And Beijing said, good, then go. <laughs> and uh, they left. And now it seems like probably starting two or three years ago, the the big change is, is that Google has just decided China's a market too big to ignore. There's one really big thing that's changed over that time, is which is the the rise of the smartphone. And most people realize that smartphones are mostly powered by Android, which happens to be Google's. And Google also has a very vibrant uh, Play Store where people can download apps. So anyway, Google's got all this stuff they want to bring back to China, but now they got to find a way to, to get back in. And that's where this AI lab comes in. So, so what will this AI lab actually do, and how does this bring about a Google return? The lab was actually something that was hinted at a few months ago. Google had posted uh, some advertisements for very high-level artificial intelligence engineers, uh, and people, including Tsai Xin, picked up on it and did stories about it. Uh, and Google didn't comment at the time, but they were all based in Beijing, so it, it looked like Google was trying to do something with AI in Beijing. And, and sure enough, two, three months later, they, they announced this lab. That's the AI story. The, the bigger story is that China has just become obsessed with artificial intelligence, among other things. These last few years, 
And the backstory behind that is China needs to get out of manufacturing, which is very low end and, and costs in China are rising. So a lot of traditional manufacturers are, are leaving China and they need to find something to fill that void. And so what they're looking for are sort of these cutting edge technologies, which tend to be things like self-driving cars, uh, a lot of new energy stuff. It's a bit all over the map. There, there's internet, electronic payments, but one of the key elements to a lot of these things is artificial intelligence. You know, when you're telling machines how to communicate with each other, how to drive by themselves, these kinds of things, they all require different kinds of artificial intelligence. So it's a big priority for Beijing to to develop this. And you see all the Chinese internet companies have jumped on the AI bandwagon. They're all doing something. Uh, so for Google to sort of throw its weight behind this, you know, with, with really probably top rate engineers, top quality methodology and so forth, it's a big boon to China to get this. And, and so this is what I see is Google's sort of ongoing efforts to try and cozy up to Beijing and the, the Beijing agenda with the hopes that Beijing will eventually say, OK, you can start selling your smartphones here. You can, you know, make your own app store, which I think are the, the two main things that Google is really after. Thanks, Doug. And we will talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks a lot, Kaiser. Next up is Lung Cheng, finance reporter for Caixin Global, with some news about micro-lending regulation in China. So, Lung Cheng, good to talk to you again. Uh, we talked before here about micro-lending in China, uh, but a reminder for listeners, we're talking about small loans, often to individuals with little or no credit history, and uh, done largely online. The area has exploded in China over the last couple of years, largely due to a lack of regulation. But now, Beijing is trying to play catch-up and threatening to shut down lenders that don't clean up and comply with their new regulations. So what is the latest? So the industry has been growing too fast for the regulators, and now they are trying to rein them in. The week before last, the Central Bank of China has rolled out a harsh ban on any unlicensed micro-lenders from lending out small amounts payday loans. And this week, top banking regulator set a January deadline of evaluating all micro-lenders. Watchdog also set a March deadline for fixing problems. After that, maybe sweeping out non-compliant ones by the middle of 2018. How is the sector responding to the regulator's actions? So the response is kind of divided between big players and the small players. So the major players are switching to less regulated businesses. For example, offering loans only to scenario-based situations such as installment purchases, while there are also signs that some smaller players may exit the market. And uh, why, Longchong, is the government so adamant about curbing this industry? Uh, well, there are a couple of things. From the regulation side, the industry has bloomed very quickly, rife with frauds, improper lending rates, and collection practices. Some online microlenders require very wild requests for borrowers, such as nude selfies as collateral for the loans. Nude selfies. What, what is up with the nude selfies that some lenders demanded? Um, when they want to extend the loans, especially for those young girls asking, asking for loans. Some of the online borrowers request for those new selfies as a kind of a collateral, or you can say as a blackmailing material. So there are other rather extreme conditions on lending too, yeah? And some other uh, lenders even charge an, an annualized interest rate of over 500%, with many extra charges hidden under the name of transaction fees and services fees. So that's the first basket of reasons for the crackdown. What about the second? 
So the second part of it would be、uh, from the market. It could be seen as a victory for some countries' biggest lenders. Some sources told us that it is no secret that the banks are lobbying with government and the regulators to take harsh steps against non-banking lenders and protect their domain through politics. Well, hopefully we can check back in with you in a couple of weeks and see whether the crackdown has actually succeeded. Sounds good, Kaiser. Thanks, Long Chong. That's this week's show. Thanks for joining us. Drop me an email at kaiser at subchina dot com with your feedback. The Caixin Cynical Business Brief is powered by SubChina and is produced, recorded, and edited by Kaiser Guo with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Thanks, of course, to Ada Shen. Special thanks to Li Xin and to Tanner Brown at Caixin Global and to Spring and Autumn and Yufei for the music. Be sure to check out the Cynical Podcast, the current affairs show I host with Jeremy Goldcorn, and follow the news from China every day at SubChina. Sign up for our free email newsletter at subchina.com. 